Welcome to the CFB Dynasty Podcast with hosts Matt Knowles and Brian McElfish. Hey everybody, how you doing out there? It's Matt Knowles and Brian McElfish here with the CFB Dynasty College Fantasy Football Podcast. We're here with some week seven reactions heading into week eight. We are in bye week purgatory. So many teams on a bye right now over the, over the last three weeks, um, the last week and the next two weeks coming up. Uh, a lot of crazy decisions out there, a lot of great performances, um, a lot of decisions you have to make to try and get into that playoff run. So uh, BMAC, how are you doing this week? What did you think about college football in week seven? Hey, I'm doing good. Um, I do have to start off with uh, a waiver wire milk carton on myself. So apologies to everyone. I put this out on the Discord. Sunday, there was a birthday party, stupid for me, at my house. And then it just totally ruined my rhythm of getting the waiver wire gems out. And it didn't happen. And I'm very sorry. Um, may it never happen again. But anyways, yeah, I'm doing really good and uh, excited for another week we've got some great reactions this week and some drama happening uh out at utah in the running back uh scenario here for fantasy so how about you man how's your weekend uh weekend was all right i was on at uh at renegers doing the uh, screams and steam festival it's uh two shows two weekends in a row um which it was great but it was really really hot uh made it difficult for me to pay attention to uh, a lot of college fantasy football which was good because i think that my team actually may have set the record for the lowest score ever in our home league. We've been running for what, 15 years. I don't think anybody's ever scored as low as my team this past week, bad performances, injuries all around. It was just, it was pitiful. It was pitiful. Um, Joe might have a word team, for that. Yeah. I mean, God, my, my team, my team was in uncle Joe levels of, uh, of uh, <laughs> disgustingness. Uh, we may have to go back and just look at Joe's Joe's performances over the last 15 years because he may have one that was lower than that, but it's going to be pretty tough. But yeah, let's uh, let's go right that back to it. So you said Utah. I know Utah's happy with the fact that uh, Cameron Rising is doing great at quarterback, and uh, he's actually up in the tops, uh, probably in the top five as far as fantasy football points right now. But their running back room is in disarray. Let's talk about that, be back. Yeah, Rising had a great game, and Don Kincaid had a great game too. Uh, as Utah takes down USC in a really uh, dramatic ending 43 42 that was awesome but uh so i've read some about in the celebration after they win the game tavion thomas is not celebrating with his teammates he's running off uh to the locker room to leave early and uh didn't have his pads on either so that uh is interesting after the game uh whittingham was asked about it and just basically gave a non-answer so not really sure what to make of that if he's on the team not on the team practicing or not no idea this week so with that potential micah bernard would be a great pickup uh before he potentially earns all of the uh <clears throat> all of the carries potentially and he's he's quick he's got really good hands um if it's a keeper league he's someone you'll want to hold on hold on to if uh if tavion thomas is gone micah bernard uh, is the next guy up there. Yeah, again, Tavion Thomas, one of those guys that preseason was really, really, really highly ranked. And so somebody out there probably spent a first-round pick on Tavion Thomas and is incredibly mm -hmm. disappointed because when you don't hit on that first-round pick in college fantasy football, that can really throw your team off. Yeah, it can. Um, man, that's, that's a tough scenario, and we're not going to get any more information uh, until game time unless there's something permanently bad that happens. Uh, that's rough. So how about my boy? Uh, so I, I had a big debate kind of going into uh, the 3.30 games because I had Bryce Young, pretty much knew he was going to play against Tennessee, um, and I had Daquan Finn, and just kind of envisioning the path of, you know, maybe Bryce Young takes a first quarter hit and doesn't play the rest of the game, and that's a killer because I was just coming off a week where Tyler Scott uh, got his ankle rolled up on and didn't get a stat for me uh, the week before. So I went with Daquan Finn. Um, both were good matchups, but he blows up seven touchdowns uh, in that game. So that was seven touchdowns. Yeah, seven touchdowns. And he only did it with 263 yards passing. So that is some efficiency right there out of the passing game. But yeah, I think you made the, the right decision there with Daquan Finn 
We've talked about uh, the Toledo is not somebody we've talked a lot about, but they were playing against Kent, which is a team we did talk, have talked a lot about. So mm-hmm. very interesting to see that Kent's opponent is the one that got the uh, the big fantasy points. Kent took a big lead early on. They were up 28-7. And really, to me, like that was the perfect uh, scenario for the game script because I had Kent State's running back, Marquez Cooper, and uh, they were going to run the ball, and they did run him quite a lot. And then Finn, and then we're going to have to pass the ball, and they did. Um, so that worked out really perfectly for me. Um, how about the Tennessee game? So in that game, I was I was dri- I watched the first quarter, and then I was driving up. I got some gifted some tickets for Florida LSU, and uh, was driving up watching that game. Ate some uh, some burn ins. Had four rivers watching that game. Continuing to watch the game, and then uh, when we got to our seats, I was watching it with the guy next to me. Um, and uh, crazy, crazy finish there. But uh, as far as fantasy goes, Hooker to Hyatt, what a game! What a game for both of them. Well, I got I got two two comments about the Hooker to Hyatt right there. First, Tennessee is doing what they're doing without Tillman. So you're talking about not having their number one receiver and they're still able to go and, uh, and beat Alabama. Yep. But the thing I want to make sure that we throw some big kudos at you, BMAC. Last week, you hit and you hit hard with your brisket lock. You said Hooker was going to be your brisket lock. I know many people out there probably thought that you had eaten some, some bad brisket, maybe <laughs> some, some tainted brisket for picking a quarterback against Alabama. Um, but that was a pretty gutsy call on your part by far the best brisket lock of the year. Um, so Hooker had, who's 21 to 30, 385 yards and five touchdowns. That is the kind of performance you want out of a brisket lock. Well done, BMAC. Yeah, that was a good one. And Hyatt um, on the receiving end killed it. Like the, I guess they had a, a corner on him that stayed man-to-man on him that just didn't work. Six catches, 207 and five touchdowns. Um, what a game, what a game. And while I'm, while I'm happy for Hyatt, like I said, I picked Tillman with my, uh, my first pick in our, in our draft. So I'm kind of bummed that he's <laughs> not getting any of that stuff because he's recovering from surgery. So it would be nice to see Tillman get back out there on the field. Maybe I won't have the lowest score in the week again when he, once he finally comes back. Yeah. Any, any word on Tillman? I don't see him in any of the injury updates yet. Um, Tillman had surgery. And so he's uh, he's the recovery from his surgery is a few weeks long. So um, it's just one of those known things, you know, he's in the recovery phase of, of from his surgery. Uh, Puka Nakua, what a great comeback for the, the Nakua owners that have been patiently waiting for him to recover from injury. And uh, he comes back in a big, big way and seemingly is just going to take that wide receiver one spot back over. No real surprise, but it was kind of one of those things where you've got hesitation starting him coming off an injury, but... No more hesitation. He looks great. Yeah, absolutely did, for sure. Did you catch any of the the Penn State beatdown um, by Michigan? So Edwards and Corum both did their thing, kind of as we predicted on this show. Like, well, Corum we know is a beast and he's really great, but will he continue to, you know, to produce fantasy wise? at that top five running back position. Uh, and I'm not quite sure with Edwards as he's come back. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe. They're they're one of the top running teams in the country, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, Edwards is certainly going to get his carries. He has been fantastic in, in coming back and uh, super explosive. Penn State could not stop Michigan's running attack. I did not get to catch a whole lot of that game uh, because I had travel. I was out of town two weekends in a row with uh, in sim shows. Uh, but one game I did get to catch was a UCF absolutely dropping the hammer. Now, granted, it was on Temple, so it's not like you're talking about them going out there and beating somebody that you would have expected to put up a whole lot of a fight. But still, it's UCF going up 70-13 to 13 in their space game with their space uniforms on. Their quarterback, Plumley, only had 18 completions. 373 yards and four touchdowns on 18 completions. That is an incredible um, yards per completion uh, average, especially in today's college football. Uh, Four TDs there. He had 37 yards rushing with three TDs. So he accounted for seven touchdowns right there. 
So John Rice Trumley's man, that's that's a killer, killer game for UCF last week. I never read any of the articles like why they wore space uniforms, but UCF's not a team that I try to understand why they do anything if they're going to claim fictional championships and whatnot. <laughs> I think they just do it because they're 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 close close enough to the Space Coast that they want to honor being right there by by the you know, by the Space Coast and all that. So that's why they want to wear the uh, the Galaxy looking uniforms. It is really weird though seeing UCF wearing black and blue as their uniform. <laughs> Uh, yeah, another uniform that I loved was TCU's, where they have that horned frog, like blood red, that they mixed into it. And Quentin Johnston, he's he's doing it, y'all. He's finally back, healthy, fully good to go. Had a couple, you know, back-to-back weeks of production now. So he's doing exactly what you want to see. He'll be an elite start every week going forward. Listen to these stats for Quentin Johnston over the last two weeks: thirty targets, twenty-two receptions. 386 yards and two scores that is incredible performance right there but the thing that is the most impressive to me 30 targets and it was like 14 one week 16 the next week so there's consistent targets being thrown his way Uh, it's one of the things we've talked about on this podcast is that a quarterback is going to touch the ball every single play running backs you know they're going to get their touches but wide receivers need that quarterback to be throwing the ball to be getting the ball to them so they can actually go and do their thing and when yep. he's getting an average of 15 targets a week, that's going to be somebody who's going to have a chance to go and put some some crazy stats out there. So um, one of the more you know disappointing guys on my roster in the home league would be Zach Evans, who, you know, he I kind of thought he was going to break out and be one of the top running backs in the, the country this year in that offense but judkins has really taken off and he's done great in and outpaced evans from a fantasy standpoint but they're both startable and then you look at the 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 uh, rushing rankings in terms of yards per game and ole miss is third in the country 271 rushing yards per game um with air force and army behind them or, or right at the only teams that are ahead of ole miss sorry uh, UCF is right behind with 261, and then followed by Navy, uh, fifth. So, man, that's wild. Ole Miss, you can really start both of those running backs just about every week. They've got a good mashup this week at LSU, which is going to be a fun game to see if, if LSU can do anything to help improve uh, their rush defense, which Tennessee beat down LSU, obviously, and LSU ran all over them. Florida uh, had a lot of success on the ground on LSU as well. So it won't be a surprise if Ole Miss comes in and is able to run the ball on the outside a ton against uh, against LSU. And that's one of the, that's really surprising. I mean, you you always are going to expect the the armed forces, Air Force, Army, Navy. You always expect them to be up near the top when it comes to rushing offense. It's just the way their offenses are set up. But uh, Ole Miss and UCF in the top five, if you would have told me UCF was going to be top five rushing, I would have told you you're crazy. But uh, that's that's one of those things. You just never know how stats are going to fall. And uh, the next thing we're going to talk about goes to the other half of the of the offense, a very interesting stat that you found this morning, the first passing offense. Let's, let's, let's not go to number one first. Let's start with, say, number five. Number five passing offense and work our way up. Going to be very interesting to get to that number one. Yeah, so I had you guess, uh, and you said, you know, UTSA, and that was a really good guess. They have a great passing attack. Um, so does, like, Tulsa and, you know, Mike Leach's offense. So if you if we're going to go backwards, uh, let's go backwards actually from 12, where we have North Carolina and one of the top, you know, quarterbacks in all of fantasy, Drake May there. So... They're at 12, and then Tulsa with a great passing attack, a ton of seniors at receiver, a senior at quarterback, um, and and they're doing good. Number 10 is kind of a surprise to me. Georgia is at 10, 329 yards a game passing, Um, but they they haven't been able to run the ball like you would expect. Um, You've got Mike Leach in Mississippi State at 333 yards per game through the air. Arizona comes in at number eight um that one's interesting and then your guess yeah yeah it is arizona at number eight that's crazy and then just one you know point 
2.2. No, 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 sorry. 9.2 yards per carry better is UTSA, uh, which was your guess. They're seventh. It's a great guess and a great passing attack with three fantasy-relevant receivers and a quarterback that you can start every week. Um, Western Kentucky, probably no surprise. They're number six. Um, Tennessee is fifth at 347 yards per game. And they've played a tough schedule when they're up there. That's super impressive for the balls. Like, they've played Bama. They've played, you know, Florida's defense is pretty pitiful, but they're historically a pretty good defense. They've played Pitt, who's a, a good defense. Um, we've got SMU at four. Uh, Texas Tech is at two, 365 yards per game. Georgia Southern is third at 358 yards per game. That was a surprise to me. And then first is Washington, a full 15 yards per game ahead of Texas Tech at number two. That's crazy to me. That is. I'm very, very impressed with uh, seeing Washington up there. You just don't – that's just not a team, even though their quarterback, Penix, is doing really good. You just don't expect that they're going to be in that spot. But then we looked at the numbers. We looked at the numbers, and, and CFB Dynasty is all about the numbers. And you look at Michael Penix's last – Five games, 397 yards, 309 yards, 345, 311, 516. That's consistency. There's Jeez. not a there's not a week in there where he you know put up a um, a stinker. I mean, against Arizona State, he didn't have a very good overall statistical performance. He only had one rushing touchdown. So from a, a fantasy scoring perspective, he wasn't great against Arizona State. But otherwise, he's had what uh, 14 touchdown passes over that span. Yeah, uh, Michael Penix is probably the most consistent quarterback option out there right now, uh, as referenced by the fact that he's uh, that his offense is number one. Heck yeah, that's crazy. Um, all right, um, you have your little mini milk carton here, and then we'll get into the news and notes. That's right. So this week we're not going to do a full milk carton segment this week, but we do have one mini milk carton. When I say mini milk carton, it's it's just mini. It's like you were at, at 11 a.m. You're in elementary school. You go into the lunch line. They serve you greasy pizza, and they give you one of those little tiny milk cartons. It's not a real full milk carton. It's just a little taste of the milk carton. So you turn it around, and on the back of it, you see LaDamian Webb. I feel bad about even putting him on this list, but LaDamian Webb has got tons of press. Uh, LaDamian Webb has been doing really good this year. And yes, he did get injured, but from a fantasy perspective, when you have a guy like that, you've got huge expectations for, and he only gets seven yards rushing in a week. There's probably a lot of fantasy owners out there that had their games decided because a guy like that that you expected to put up big stats only got seven yards. So LaDamian, hope that your injury is uh, is minor. Hope that you can come back and, and uh, start redeeming yourself after that performance. But uh, yeah, LaDamian Webb, let's get off of that school lunch uh, milk cart. All right, let's get to some news and notes. News and notes. All right, so some of the, the bigger ones here we'll call out, and all of these will be posted in the Discord so you can um, see the, the depth of everything. So start at Cincinnati. Uh, ben Bryant was hurt, uh, had a head injury, and so did um, Tyler Scott, one of the top fantasy receivers uh, year-to-date. Um, both of them are just called hopeful for this week. So we don't really know. I'd say Ben Bryant is probably more likely to play and play well than Tyler Scott because it was an ankle for him, and, and you just don't know. If it's day-to-day, -day, obviously, it could be weeks. <laughs> so we really yeah. don't know what's going to happen. Uh, with these guys until they get out and warm-ups and we see it on Twitter. I think the, that Cincinnati's not going to give anything else away there. Um, Jerry Bohannon, South Florida, he's going to miss the rest of the season. Uh, so is his uh, one of his top receivers, Aju Aju, also out for the season. Uh, Charlie Brewer for Liberty. Um, he's... Uh, been seen at practice throwing, um, so that's good because he had a had a hand in injury that's kept him out. Um, Sean Clifford, basically, uh, there's going to be no information. Uh, he said if it was uh, James Franklin said if it was season ending ending he would have announced it, but um, 
Probably not going to announce it. Malik Cunningham for Louisville is back. Should be ready to go now. Head injury. Um, Jalen Daniels from Kansas not practicing yet. So um, unlikely to play this week. More like a, a November return. Um, Devin Leary, your boy. What happened to him? So, so Devin Leary, this this is one of those things that goes down to uh, we've talked about this all year. The need for an injury report. Leading up to the game, um, Dave Dorn, and, and Dave Dorn's my guy, but I got to call you out. When he's like, we're not going to announce the starter for the game until right before game time. Knowing that Devin Leary was going to be out for the year right before the game started, he's like, Devin Leary, they did some uh, further evaluation, torn peck, out for the year. Um, so uh, Devin Leary, the, the preseason ACC player of the year, out for the year. He's already had successful surgery. Uh, the NC State offense is in complete disarray. Yes, they played at Syracuse against a great Syracuse team. Um, but the offense is in complete disarray right now. They're not really sure what their identity is. So that is a, a massive, massive blow for the NC State offense. Um, good, best of luck to Devin Leary. We'll see if he comes back next year uh, to, to run it back one more time because of that injury. But, uh, man, that that's just massive. All right, this update's for Gordy Miller here, Rasheen Ali. Still no timetable for a return. Awesome. But is progressing. Got to assume that. But uh, it's, it's said it's going to be decided by doctors, which when he left earlier, we thought it was just for personal reasons. Maybe it was also an injury. But uh, still, no no idea what's going to happen there. CJ Donaldson for West Virginia. Um, he is hopeful for this week. Sounds like he should play. Um, so that's, that's, uh, good there for him and West Virginia fans. We've got Tyon Evans. He is questionable this week. Corey Kiner for Cincinnati should be good to go. Um, Kendall Milton still not fully back yet. Did some individual work in practice, but not team practice with the groin injury there. And then Deuce Vaughn was, um, he was in and out of the last game with an with an injury, and uh, should be ready to play this week. At receiver, Jordan Addison. He is day to day, not expected to be a long term injury, but they do have a bye week this week, so that helps. Uh, just like uh, Tyler Scott did last week. Um, Tyrese Chambers yet again a game time decision because of an ankle injury. It was the same thing going into last week. And he ended up not playing. Um, so Luther Burden, he is fully practicing this week, at least in the media viewing period there. Um, Corey Rucker out again this week after re-aggravating his preseason injury. That's uh, super frustrating for him. But uh, yeah, that ends our news and notes segment. And uh, we can get into rankings next, right? That's right. Time to get into some rankings right now. The segment you guys are always looking for. Again, we're only going to talk about the top five at each position as ranked by CFB Dynasty. So if you guys want to get in there and be able to really look at the depth of your entire team, you want to go subscribe to CFBDynasty.com so you can get your hands on the full set of rankings every week. So you can go in there, do your own analysis and decide what you think is going to be the best plays for you during the week. Um, so we're going to go jump right into our uh, quarterbacks. Quarterbacks has got a lot of names that we've seen up here this year. I don't think there's anybody in the top six or seven that we've not talked about previously. Let's figure out why you've got these guys in the rankings. Let's start off with number one, CJ Stroud. Why is he the number one quarterback this year? Going up against a, a tough defense in, in Iowa. They're at home coming off of a, a bye week. So, it's a huge spread, so 39 to 10 projected final score, plenty of points out there for C.J. Stroud. It's one of those things, like if you have Stroud on your roster, are you really going to start somebody over Stroud? And uh, it would be tough. I mean, it would be, yeah, it would be tough to find a, a better start than C.J. Stroud this week. So we've got him at one. I can tell you, looking at just, just sneaking my peek down here, looking at the top 11 quarterbacks – I feel like the top 11 quarterbacks are going to be hard for any of them to hit the bench. So if you're somebody that's got more than one of those guys, that's where you're going to have the tough decision because they all have got really good matchups. 
and we've talked about almost all of them. So, wow, man, that top 11 is going to be tough decisions to make this week. Yeah, one thing in fantasy that has always kind of rung true and something that you just learn over the years is you never want to overreact to what happened the week before. Every game is is its own game. And uh, so, like, something like Daquan Finn, you know, putting up 61 points last week, that doesn't really affect uh, – you know, how I feel about starting him this week. Um, same with like Tennessee and Hennon Hooker. You know, they're playing against UT Martin. He's off of a huge game, putting up 49 fantasy points against Bama. But that's a prime scenario where, you know, they just, you know, walked to the goalposts and threw him into the river there. It's unlikely that they're, I mean, that they're going to have, or UT Martin's going to get the full focus from, Hennant Hooker in Tennessee. Um, if they do, that's certainly a good sign for Tennessee, and that's elite. But that's why Hennant Hooker against a, a basically a small school, there's no spread on the game at all. Um, he could be a you know quarterback one potentially, but because of that, you know the factors of psychology, I kind of have him down there at QB eight. Well, I think too, if you go the other direction, you look at someone like Frank Harris. You got Frank Harris at five. And uh, last week we talked about that Frank Harris had the opportunity to go in there and just have a complete blowout yeah. game. He was set up to have a, a an incredibly high ceiling for his point scored, and he had one of his worst performances of the he year did. against a really not good Florida international team. He only won thirty to ten. Um, he he had one of his lowest outputs of the year. So going the other direction, like you say, you don't want to overreact and say, "Oh, Frank Harris, he's." Uh, you know, he's, he's washed up. He's not going to be able to do something because he's probably going to bounce back this week and, um, and, uh, and put some, put some better, better performance out there. Yeah. We had that with CJ Stroud earlier in the year too, where, you know, he had a, his worst output of the season. And then the next week we put him at number one and, uh, he paid off for everyone that started him. So I, I would expect nothing less than, than Frank Harris here at uh, QB five for us this week. Yeah, only scoring 22, but they're projected as a team to score 39. Just like everybody else in that top five there, their teams are projected to score between 38 and 42 points. Um, so in those those kind of games, they're always a great mathematical start. Um, we've got Sam Hartman at number two against Boston College. Should be a, a high-scoring beatdown. Bryce Young against Mississippi State, you would expect... Um, you know, them coming back at home to uh, put up as many points as they can against Mississippi State. And the good thing for Alabama is Mississippi State's going to be throwing the ball a ton. So there, that could that could get out of hand. It wouldn't surprise me if the over hit there, the over-under is 61.5, but still, um, that could be a, a big-time shootout. Um, we've got Bo Nix, Mr. Consistent S... Uh, fantasy performer and uh they've got uh, a great game against their former coach at home uh ucla and chip kelly going to oregon this week that should be a fun one to watch with uh with an over under of 70 and a half projected final of like 38 to 32 uh can't wait to watch that one that's a 330 kick there some other guys you got on here, QB six, Todd Centio. Uh, you know, we've had, we've talked about him pretty much like the last few weeks. Uh, there's Plumlee. We talked about from UCF who had a crushing game last week. Austin Reed at nine is an interesting statistical discussion because overall he's in the top, what two quarterbacks um, statistically. But the one thing you want more out of Austin Reed is some more touchdown passes. Austin Reed yeah. outside. If you take out that Florida international game, which was a unicorn game, 73 nothing. Uh, he's only got 10 or nine touchdown passes in his previous four games, taking that game out. So he's putting a lot of yards up, but he's just not getting as many touchdowns. And in fantasy football, you got to get those TDs. Yards are right. great, but you want to see them getting some touchdowns. And if there's one thing you want more out of that Western Kentucky offense it is some more touchdowns. If he's not throwing touchdowns, it's hurting the value of those Western Kentucky wide receivers as well. So uh, that that's the one thing that gives me any hesitation about Austin Reed is he's just not getting enough touchdowns out of that passing offense. Yep, that's right. That's a very good point. 
All right, right. Let's, uh, let's go down to running backs. Running backs. Well, so like I said, we'll start with the top five, and if we have any other little notes uh, to give outside of the top five, we will. But the top five, again, is guys that we've talked about quite a few times. But let's go to number one. Why is Jameer Gibbs from Alabama back in the top spot? So the last three weeks, he's for fantasy-wise, he's put up 35, 18, and then 35 again. Um, and this is really... <clears throat> no surprise as you know Bryce Young's hurt but Jameer Gibbs once he broke out he's earned the right to get as many touches as possible every game so uh expect nothing less than a great performance out of him um Bijan Robinson we have at number two um even though he's got more he's averaging 25 a game whereas Jameer Gibbs who started out the year really slow is up to 22 a game almost in fantasy points um but one extra touchdown expected from Bama over Texas in a game there that Texas is favored on the road against Oklahoma State. So Bijan, though, is, is an every-week starter, um, obviously. Um, at number three, we've got Marquez Cooper playing Kent State playing against Akron. Um, his last, uh, last game, he had an, another big one and uh, scored 28.6 last week. They're projected to score 43, so Cooper um, could have a huge game along with Colin Schley and the rest of those uh, Kent State guys. Um, number four, we've got Israel Banaconda Pitt. Uh, they're playing at Louisville. That's a Saturday night game. And uh, so he had his 68-point performance a couple weeks back. They had a bye week for him to rest up his legs. Um, and, uh, that's going to be a tightly contested game and I'm sure he'll get plenty of touches. At yeah, he's, uh, he is, is scoring the lights out. He's one of the top performers in college fantasy right now doing that where he didn't even start the season out as the, as the number one running back and being on a bye, And he's still at the very top of the, of the leaderboard. Uh, big things are going to happen for him. If you have him, he is, he is the guy you want to start every week right now until he gives you a reason not to. And at number five, if you're looking for a reason to not start Charbonnet for some reason, he's our number five start. He had a horrible game against Oregon uh, last year. So I think this is going to be a revenge game for him uh, and Chip Kelly in that rushing offense with uh, DTR too. So huge, huge game, big matchup, tons of points scored. And I think Charbonnet is going to get his. He's our, our fifth start of the week. And let me say, like our running back nine, Braylon Allen. So he had that terrible game. Paul Chris got fired. Uh, Braylon Allen had 0.2 fantasy points. And then since then, though, he's he's definitely made a bounce back. And he's he was looking unstartable for a little while there. And now he's um, almost back up to 20 fantasy points a game. He had 22 and 27 in his last two. So I like him as a really great start against Purdue this week. Yeah, his last two weeks were his third and fourth best weeks of the year. So you're right that that two yard performance is uh, is a thing of the past. And again, go back to the what we talked about before. You can't overreact to an incredibly bad performance. You definitely needed to react to it because that performance out of a guy like that, only eight carries for two yards, was something to really keep your eye on. But he's shown the last two weeks he's back to what we hoped he would be uh, preseason, and uh, there's no reason to believe he's going to be anything different than that going forward. Yep, exactly. So, uh, yeah. Any other notes you want to give on anybody outside the top five that uh, that is interesting to you? Not really. All of that's there. We've got Travion Henderson, who still is kind of trying to find his way um, against Iowa. It's a good rushing defense and potential of Mayan Williams coming back. So he's down there at RB35 uh, in terms of where he should or shouldn't be started in your lineup. Um We'll see. We'll see how the carries are split. We'll see how healthy both running backs are because they've both been banged up some this year, and they're playing against a pretty good Iowa defense. So we'll see. Um, it's kind of a wait and see for me on the, the Ohio State running back situation. All right, so uh, let's go down to wide receivers. So wide receivers, very interesting. If you look at the top six, uh, wide to the four of the top six wide receivers are coming deep from the uh, – the group of five, but a lot of guys we've talked about. And I think that everybody in this top five is someone we've talked about before. Top six is someone we've talked about before. 
Well, let's see why they uh, why you think they fall out the way that they do this week. Allie Jennings coming in at uh, wide receiver one, Old Dominion. Yeah, and you're looking for targets, and Jennings, you know, is the the target leader there, far and away at Old Dominion. I like. Um, that game is going to be a shootout against Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern's a solid team, and uh, you know Ollie Jennings has, has produced. He's been you know almost 23 fantasy points a game, um, so any game could be a breakout game for him. Yeah, and Old Dominion. Old Dominion's a team that is uh, someone you definitely need to be paying attention to because they they've been doing some things this year. Last week was the game that put them completely on the map. They went in and beat down Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, the darlings of college of college football and college fantasy football last season, got the complete beat down, forty nine to twenty one from Old Dominion last week. So uh, if Co- if Old Dominion could go in there and do that against a team like Coastal Carolina, that means big things going forward for Old Dominion. Let's hope they can keep that up. Heck yeah. We've got uh, Egbuka at number two. He's been a mainstay there and will continue to be there until we see Smith and Jigba come back and how they utilize the receivers there. Um, His teammate Marvin Harrison Jr. is at wide receiver eight for us, and um, we think he's going to be consistent no matter what. Um, At RB3, or sorry, wide receiver three, A.T. Perry for Wake. you know, he's only averaging 14 and a half points per game so far, but, you know, he's he's been hot since Hartman came back, and his last two performances, he's gone for 19 and 20 fantasy points, and that should be a big uh, blowout win there where they should pretty much double up Boston College in points. And then, same as last week, I think, at wide receiver four and five, got Zakari Franklin to Corey and Clark, and... Uh, both are putting up, it's funny, they've got uh, fantasy points year to date. Zakari Franklin has 139.9, or sorry, 131.9. Decorian Clark has 131.8. So they've been very consistent and uh, kind of splitting the fantasy points there. And uh, their their third guy isn't, isn't uh, doing so bad either. Um, he's just down our list a little bit, but we've got three UTSA receivers in the top 50 starts yet again this week. All right. Is there anybody else you want to talk about outside of those, uh, those top five that you think is someone that people need to keep their eye on this week outside of what brisket lock is going to be? Uh, no, I think Xavier worthy is one that could, could really blow up Tyler Scott. If, if he is healthy, um, he's down the list a little bit because he's coming off the ankle injury, but the, the data has him there um, at wide receiver 19. If he's really good and healthy, he's potentially an elite start uh, this week as well. All right, well, good stuff. So that is our our rankings for wide receivers, running backs, and quarterbacks. And now we're going to come up to the segment that everybody out there has made viral. They love this segment. BMAC hit with an A-plus pick last week at Hendon Hooker. BMAC, who is your brisket lot going to be this week and why? I'm going to go with Devon A-Chain, running back for Texas A&M. Let's see. We've got him. He's not like a top 12 start. He's not an RB1 start, but I think he's got (coughs) the potential there to have an RB1 finish this week. Um, So, they're playing on the road at South Carolina, coming off of a bye week, you know, where they had a, a really tough, tough loss against Alabama on the road, but they played well, and they should have some confidence going into the, the back half of their schedule, where they're going to have some tough games, but every single one of them is winnable. Like, they could went out the rest of the year and kind of changed the script of Texas A&M and, and their season where a lot of people kind of expected them to compete in the SEC West. But A-Chain is going to be um, the main part of this offense. It doesn't matter who starts at quarterback. He's going to get his touches. And on the road at South Carolina, he's going to have an opportunity to really, really break out and have a couple long touchdowns. And, you know, the running back starting opposite him, against uh, an A&M defense that's been susceptible to the, to the run. Marshawn Lloyd is another one. 
that could have a, a potentially really good game as as the home running back there. So I'm going to throw a brisket lock out there this week as well. I don't do it every week because that's not my thing. BMAC is the brisket lock man. But I, I think a wide receiver that you want to go looking at is a Rondé Gadsden at Syracuse. I got a chance to see see him in action after hearing a lot about him this past week. Rondé Gadsden, let me throw some stats out there for you. Again, we're all about the numbers. So if you take out the Wagner game, which when you're playing against a team from the FCS, who knows what, what kind of performance you're going to get. His last three FBS games, 360 yards, 21 receptions on 28 targets, and four TDs. If you look at his last five games, he's had 35 targets, 28 receptions. What does that tell you? When they throw the ball towards him, he's going to catch it. His dad was well-known in the NFL for having some of the biggest hands ever in the NFL. Flypaper hands. This dude, all they got to do is throw the ball up. Aronda Gadsden is going to catch the ball. They're getting him a lot of targets. He's had 28 targets in the last three FBS games. And um, they're playing at Clemson this week. So this is kind of like BMAX hooker playing versus Alabama. Yes, they're playing at Clemson, but I think the big three at Syracuse is showing they are the real deal. Aronde Gadsden is one of those. I think that Aronde has a chance to uh, to perform well this week. Doesn't mean he's going to be in the top 10, but he's somebody, if you have him, I think that uh, you can expect that he's going to go out there and do some good things against Clemson this week. We'll see. That's a tough defense right there. Clemson, Clemson's great. Um, so we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, he is, he's a beast. I know Gordy picked him up. That's slide dog in our league. Um, but he, he's going to produce a ton of points for him. And that offense is taking off. Like if you're in a, a keeper league, dynasty league, someone like Carlos Del Rio, who is probably going to take over at quarterback there next year, would be someone to kind of pick up and potentially keep going into next year uh, to see what happens with that quarterback position. So BMAC, one thing we don't have on our notes I want to talk to you about real quick. So we are at the point in the season right now where if you are in a, whether you're in a seasonal league or dynasty league, uh, you're getting into the final stretch, getting ready for the playoffs because most leagues are going to run 10 weeks. Um, the way that our leagues all work, we have our trade deadline. We're recording this on the trade deadline. Um, and if you're in a seasonal league, uh, your trades are probably going to be a little different than if you're in a dynasty league. And, and this hasn't happened much in our league, but there's another league that uh, some of the guys in, in this area called MVP and saw some really interesting things happening at the trade deadline where um, guys that are at the bottom of the statistics for some reason have some really strong players. They just have not been able to perform well on the, uh, on, in the record. There's been a lot of trades, probably the most trades that I've seen in a long time, where they're able to get rid of some of these guys to guys at the top of the standings for future seasons draft picks. And um, so I just want to talk about this. How do you, BMAC, approach the trade deadline um, when you are, if you are somebody that is is looking to potentially um, make a play, make a playoff run, potentially a championship run in college? How much are you willing to mortgage? to try and get that college championship where it may hurt your draft picks next year or your pro team in the future. What, what is your th strategy there? Well, you play to win. Um, my strategy is always, obviously in, in fantasy, you play for to win a championship. And if you can make it in the playoffs, you've got a shot. Um, so what, so in terms of how you determine what you're willing to kind of mortgage, it just depends on your needs. So if you have, let's say you have a, a running back, or if you start three running backs and you've got, you know, two that average 20 and another one that averages 12 that you start, um, it's time to make a move and get that elite starting lineup. And uh, I would absolutely, I do the same thing every year where it's trying to trade and position my team for a championship. Or if I'm not, like, why would you keep a Keelan Stokes who's going to be gone next year, even if you're in a full keeper or dynasty league? Um, you should absolutely be looking to trade him because you're just wasting value. Someone else can use him, and you can either get a pick, you can get a, a younger player. Um, but, yeah, there's certainly guys to target, and that would be, honestly, a, a fun segment that we should have worked into this show on, like, players to target for future years, potentially looking ahead at some of the 2024 rank or 2023 rankings. 
Um, but yeah, what a what a good question. And there's a ton of movement. I know there's a lot of chatter happening in in the home league too, and and other leagues that I'm in. Yeah, one of the one of the most interesting moves that I I saw recently was a guy got rid of Brad Roberts. Brad Roberts running back at uh, Air Force in the top five as far as uh, rushing yards. And but the thing is, is he's a senior. So to this guy who was at the bottom of the standings, having a senior running back that has got questionable pro potential was not going to do him any good. He's not going to make the playoffs. He was just going to see that guy disappear from his roster. So he was out there trying to shop him. And since he's a senior, there was, even though he's in the top five, the value isn't as great as let's say if he was a sophomore or a junior and he was going to be able to continue for years to come. So uh, the deal that was made was swapping some draft picks. He was able to gain a higher draft pick position for next year. Uh, but it's not like, like you said, if he was a sophomore or junior. So you definitely want to always look at um, what the future potential is going to be if you're trading future draft picks to get somebody for this season. Yep. <laughs> hundred percent. Like normally I try and strike that roster balance where you've got, you know, upperclassmen and lower and uh, underclassmen there. Um, but yeah, if you're in a playoff run and you've got a really competitive team, uh, mortgage some of that future to be as competitive as possible and try and win that championship. That's what it's all about. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if any of our guys other than Joe, on the in the home league would trade we've got that weird scenario where there's like three teams that have uh the the bulk of the losses and they're basically in the the arch manning uh i i just assume they're in the arch manning uh trajectory there for the top of the draft next year and the rest of us are in the hunt like Absolutely. i, I i'm at the top with eight wins, but our ninth best has five wins. So there's plenty of room for movement where with only three weeks to go, um, there's any scenario where any of those, you know, nine teams can make it into the playoffs. Yeah. Our league is incredibly, incredibly close. Um, yeah. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, especially if you're a guy that's five and five, you know, all you got to do is get into that, that six spot. We have six teams that make the playoffs. Um, like, like BMAC just said, you have, five guy or four guys tied at five and five for that final spot. And then you've got another guy that's at, uh, at six and four at five. So do you make those moves to try and get into the playoffs? Um, or do you feel like by doing that, you're going to mortgage the future and not be able to, and, and then feel that pain in years to come. So it's always an interesting scenario trades when you've got a college pro dynasty league or some of the neatest things, because there's so much more value and so many more different things that come into play than if you're just in a regular seasonal league or if you're in a pro league. So how about you? Are you interested in, uh, are you trying to make a playoff run or are you interested in getting rid of, you know, a senior that might be painful for you? But, uh, you know, you I, I, I'm going to have to take a look because today is the, the, the end of the trade deadline and uh, it's tough. It's tough because, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to be like, I'm just going to just give up on it because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, there was uh you know, a couple years ago in our, in our pro league in Bothell, when I say a couple, we're talking probably a decade ago. Um, I was at two and eight and um, two and six, excuse me. I was at two and six in last place. And I was like, Oh, you should just give up for this year. And then I won every single game for the rest of the season and won the championship. So you're never <laughs> out of it until you're out of it. Yeah. Um, I had my worst week ever this past week. Should I overreact to that? I don't know, but um, you know, nobody wants to not make the playoffs and I'm literally tied for the sixth spot right now. So, We'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see what happens. We'll let you guys know on the podcast if there's any moves that are made um, in this uh, this this trade deadline and see what happens. Yeah, you know what to do. Chris Thornton's looking them uh, looking pretty appealing to me over there as, as a senior. Uh, so if if you want to make a move for a younger player, I've got some good ones. Just uh, well, hit me up. <laughs> might be something we talk about. Might be something we talk about. We'll have to see. Yeah, sounds good. And we also play against each other this week, so. Fun. Yeah, that sucks. I don't want to be playing <laughs> against Chris Thornton. Come on, man. <laughs> All uh, right. So, BMAC, so uh, we say it every week. So, tell people why they should go up to CFB Dynasty and subscribe. Tell people why they should be in the Discord. And then also tell people why, if they have a business that needs some uh, some some work with Searchalytics, why they should go and look at Searchalytics to help their business out. Yeah, we're going um... – 
you know, all in on, you know, local business and then also in the, the automotive aftermarket space. So I'll be out at the SEMA show in Vegas in a couple weeks and uh, day after Halloween. So November 1st, I'll be there. So we'll have to do the podcast, maybe from an interesting spot or just the hotel room. But um, yeah, uh, hit me up on the Discord. Of course, that's where we want all the interaction to happen. Honestly, we've got a lot of people there. We want to continue to grow that and make it more fun and more interactive as we go along. It's just one of those things that you know takes time, and this was our first year that we built it. And uh, it's good for what it's been so far, and plenty more to come as we're working with developers behind the scenes to uh, get some cool tools. One of those stats that's really hard to get is just targets in general, and our, our current database doesn't have that. So that's something I'm working on for everyone so that we can have um, more data for you guys to play with and more tools like a Startsit tool um that we're working on behind the scenes so um the discord's where all of that stuff will drop first and uh appreciate it there how about you matt well you know the first thing i think real quick i think it'd be great for on discord you guys are going to be near your uh, your trade deadlines tell us some of the trades that you guys are making so that we can talk about them next week on the podcast so if you've got a trade you've made uh let us know if your league is seasonal if it's a dynasty um what the guidelines are and, and so we can kind of rate your trades so let's let's make sure we put a question up there Rate the trade so we can talk about it on the podcast next week. Uh, so for me, um, again, if you want to get in contact with me on the Discord, uh, definitely go up there and message me. I've got two different accounts, Dr. Anguish and then Matt from InSim. Um, you can get a hold of me on uh, social media, at uh, InSim on uh, Facebook, InSim Creations on Twitter, and then InSymmetry Creations on Instagram. If you look at my name down here, you see I've got a tiny Earl. We just launched a Kickstarter for our apocalyptic sci-fi comic set in a steampunk world, Heirs of the Sealed or the Perilous Prospects book two just launched on Tuesday. It's only going to run for 23 days. We'd love for you guys to get up there, take a look at one of the other things that are done by myself and Steph Cannon, the, uh, the mindset behind uh, in symmetry creations, tinyearl.com forward slash errors TPP two. We'd love to have you guys come on up there as well. So thank you guys in advance for taking a look at the campaign. Heck yeah. Well, that's all I've got for today. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening y'all and uh, good luck this week. That's right. Thanks a lot, guys. For Matt Knowles and Brian McElfish, this is the CFP Dynasty Podcast. We'll see you next week. See you.